0: What's up everyone welcome to another episode of the sports ethos wizards podcast it's the cnc team as always we back listen hiatus happened life happened off season for everyone ourselves included uh but that's about to change season about to start as you listen to this is very weak. so we will have a lot more content coming a lot more regular um so just dropping that on right now uh we are out from the off season um like i said the cnc show it's Carthon. it's corbin you already know what it is and we are starting back with the 2023, 2024 Washington Wizards. By way no time, we're going directly into some position previews for these Washington Wizards. And we're going to start with the guards. But before we even get into all that, we got to talk to our co host, Carthen. how you doing, sir?
1: Doing all right, man. It's been a long time coming. It's glad to be back on, on the air talking Wizards basketball with you, Corbin. It's in the- enjoying the day ready to go
0: you said it man we about to have a lot of long nights uh coming up this year uh it's funny y'all we're just behind the scenes this whole trying to work getting the basketball deal um while it's exciting and it's fun it's basically like working a full-time job you just don't get to pay for it so like we got jobs because we need money to do what we got to do and then we also got this right here, like this podcast you're about to hear where research has to be done and we got to do late nights and life don't stop because we're doing a podcast. So, you know, this is for Cartha and I, this is the beginning of a, I don't know if the wizard's going to make the playoffs. So I'm about to say a six month journey, um, but here we are. Right. So we about to get right into it. <laughs> it. Most certainly will, man. We got some fun conversations about it and everything. I'm pumped.
1: Huh? One way or the other, I said one way or the other. It's gonna be a long season.
0: Yeah, nah, it it most certainly will be. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to kind of seeing how this all comes together. Um, but before we even get into it, we gotta talk about these guards. We gotta talk about the season before it starts. We're gonna have a lot of action to analyze as it's happening. But right now, there's one of our last few opportunities to like preview, if you will, what is coming up. And so we're gonna start with the guard position because that's where the Wizards had some change. A changing of the guard if you will. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't even regret that was a good one. Um, I went
1: that was a good pun. Thank you. <laughs> thank
0: you. I went long time, you know, fixture um Bradley Beal uh in for about a day went Chris Paul um and then finally for the long term is Jordan Poole. And we're going to start with Jordan Poole. Actually, yeah, we're going to start with Jordan Poole because we actually have some Wizards news that I, I I want to get car you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna say that to the end. I'm gonna say that to the end. There's some Wizards news today that happened. I have my thoughts. I'm sure Carthen has his thoughts. Um we're gonna push <laughs> that to- we're gonna push that a little bit to the to the end, I think. Um let me ask you, Carthage. You wanna talk about it right now?
1: Yeah, we can go ahead and talk about it because I think All I know right, exactly what you're talking about.
0: Let's just do it. You're right. You do we're right. We we're not wasting time, but this is some Wizards specific news. Um, Danny Avija. Avdija, yeah, I said right the first time. I think. Um, Guess what, Swingman? You know, defensive minded. Last season, averaged nine point two points, six point four rebounds, and two point eight assists. Shot forty three percent from the field, twenty nine percent from three, and seventy three percent from the free throw line. And he just got breaking news from earlier this afternoon: a four year, fifty five million dollar contract extension. So basically, sort of like the MLE money moving forward. Um. I'm going to say my thoughts. I'm going to go to the Wizards Act first and ask you, Carthen, what are your thoughts on Denny getting that contract? And we're going to go from there.
1: I think it's fair market value. I think it's a good deal for both sides. Denny gets his bag uh, for what Denny has been able to show thus far, his age that he is and the trajectory that he is going for what the new administration is looking for. I think it's a really good deal. Able to get him on a four-year deal for fifty-five million. That's not bad, like you said. That's around the uh, MLE. Um, and the great thing about it is he wants to be here. He calls this his second home. He before they signed him about three or four days ago. I saw an article where he was talking about. I want to be here in Washington. Washington is my second home. The fans, me and the fans are great. They love me, and for me, there is no better place than here. NBA. If I'm not in Israel, if I'm in, if I'm in the United States, I'm in DC. So, I mean, with what he brings to the table versus wanting to be here. I think that's a win-win for everybody. And he's got a great opportunity to really do something with this team. Excuse me. Now, this is why I disagree, Carthon. I like that
0: he's comfortable in Washington, right? Second mm-hmm. home. You know, I like that he is one of the few Wizards to have a second contract, one of the few Wizards draft picks of, let's say, the last, like, eight years to have eight. a second I'm just throwing out a round ball number. I mean, you listen, you're the long-suffering Wizards fan. Let's if we would go back to the Wizards draft picks, let's let's do the last 10 years, right? Um, so we had um Otto Porter, oh. N- Nate Walters, Arsalan Kazemi. That was 2013. 2014 was Jordan Clarkson. 2015 was Troy Brown and Usof Sanon. 20 um, they didn't have that. Was I'm sorry, that was 2015. Well, I'm sorry, I missed 2015. 2015 was uh, Jer- Jerrion Grant and Aaron White. Remember, Jordan Clarkson went to the Lakers. Jerrion Grant went to the uh, Hawks. Then, they didn't have one in 2016 and 2017. 2018, Troy Brown and Usuf Sanan, right? Troy Brown played 297 games with the Wizards. Then, um, by the way, Otto Porter played 512 games, so he did go into that second one, right? Um, then, 2019, Rui Hachimura. We know how that ended up. He played 210 games for the Wizards. 2020. Denny, and Vit Krijek. Now, Krijek went straight to Oklahoma City, and Denny has now played two more games than Rui Hachimura as a wizard, 212 games. Corey Kispert, 2021. Johnny Davis and Yannick Noza in 2022. And then Jarese Walker went to Indiana, Tristan Vucevic, and Trace Jackson Davis in 2023. And Trace obviously went to Golden State. Uh, Jarese went to Indiana, and Tristan, we'll see. So, like, yeah, it's not been great. That was actually kind of depressing, really, Those.
1: So let me let me ask you this. What year were you born?
0: I am a child of 1995, my friend.
1: So you are born the same year as my sister. Wow. Would you believe it that the Wizards have only signed, it's either six or seven draft picks since you were born? Yeah, I think it's six or seven since you've been born, or it's slightly before you were born. Mm-hmm. To a second contract,
0: I'm kind of shocked, but also not really shocked. Like that's since, that's that's a so well, since 1995, so 28 years. I'm I'm feeling my age. All that time they barely signed. Wow.
1: So the I think since Jawan Howard was it would be Jawan Howard, um, Howard Cheney, Bill mm-hmm. Wall. Bill Wall, Otto Porter, Denny Avdia, and I may be missing one. as first round draft picks. I think I think those are the first round draft picks, and the only other one that I think got a second contract was Andre Blatch, and he was the second round pick. I think those are the only draft picks that we have. No, I am missing one. Nick Young.
2: Mm-hmm. And he got traded right
1: now. Out. I don't think JaVale McGee got a second contract from the Wizards. I think Nick I, Young I got a second not. contract mm-hmm. and got traded the same year he got his second contract. Wow. If I remember correctly. Same okay. thing happened with uh, Jawan Howard, but he forced that. He forced that. That was him. But since Jawan Howard, there's only been six or seven first-round draft picks the Wizards have re-signed to a second
0: that's kind of crazy. But uh, here's the problem. The ones that they have re-signed, let's talk about it for a split second because they don't got it too long here. But if you talk about the ones they have re-signed, like, the, the, aside from what, Bradley Beal, like, Beautiful. John Wall, sorry, Bradley Beal, John Wall, like, these guys weren't, like, big difference makers. Like, Otto Port is probably the next closest one. Like, these guys weren't big difference makers. Um, Denny, I don't think, is a big difference maker. Like, his shot is still bad. And there was a thing on social media that was kind of funny about him, like, you know, while while Jordan Clark well, not Jordan Clarkson, geez. While Jordan Poole is cooking, you know, you have a Denny on the wing spotting up, calling for the ball, and then dejected when he doesn't get it, even though the shot goes in. Like, my brother, you are shooting twenty-nine percent from three. Like you are not a shooter. Like I will take a Jordan Clarkson I mean Jordan Clarkson G's a Jordan Poole contested shot over a Denny Abijah three at any point in time. And offensively, I don't think he's improved a lot. Like he needs to be in my mind like a small ball five. Or someone who's on the ball, and even that is to limit his effect or effectiveness or lack thereof when it comes to shooting the basketball. Defensively, he's great, and, and that money's not bad. But I don't know if it's like he's going to make a huge impact on the team. He'll be a serviceable player. I don't know if he's going to be like a—he's expendable. Like that's good money, and it's a good player who has defensive promise. Offensively, though, I think we've seen like what he is, and I—I'm not the biggest fan of. It.
1: I can't say I can't say that because, and and the reason that I say that is I look at how the league. Goes as a whole. Then he has improved his three-point shooting every year. He's become a better shooter. I'm not saying that he he went from being a nobody shooter to Steph Curry, but he's improved his three-point shooting and he's improved his shot every year. He's been working with Bradley Bill's shooting coach every off-season, so he he's definitely been improving. However, we also have to take into consideration he's only 22 years old. Well, when he got drafted, mm-hmm. when he got drafted, he was the youngest player in his draft class. So he's still developing. And I think that's part of why he got the deal he ended up getting. He's not a finished product. He's still younger than some of the guys that got drafted this previous draft in this previous draft class. So, and that's with having four years of experience in the NBA. So when you look at it in that aspect there is a form of there is a sense of trajectory still attached to him of where he can become better in certain aspects of his game he's not a finished product he's not somebody that you look at and be like hey this is who he is he's not getting any better it's just this is what he's. Only because you see the improvement year year after year. Um, there's a lot of players that, as they got in, as their bodies started to fully mature, they got better at certain things, and I think that's where the Wizards are looking at him. The, the new administration is looking at um, Denny Avia is. He still has that upside. He still has
2: room to grow both physically and into his game. Um, for me, like I said, with the way that the, the
1: with the way that the league is going to 11, a uh, little over 11 million a year.
2: twelve million, twelve to 13 million a year is what it is. That's going to be below the mid-level
1: exception probably in the next two years. So you're going to get a guy who plays premium defense, which is what they're trying to build. Will Dawkins and them are trying to build the team around defense. That's why you look at a lot of the guys that they brought that, that they brought in that they look at as four guys' side of
2: pools. They play adequate to above average defense. So you look
1: at their first draft pick, Kulabali. Hulabali isn't known for his offense. He's known for his defense. He's known as a as a multi-positional defensive player. Kind of in the mode of what we all knew about with the Raptors. That's kind of how I see what they're trying to build something similar to that where they they're going after defensive minded players that they feel that they can coach up and build and give them the offensive game so the money isn't that much it's a very movable contract as well so if somebody had if if denny has trade value within the next two to three years if the Wizards aren't where they want to be, they can get more draft capital for him, and they don't have to put up that much, they don't have to take back that much money in return to get draft assets, because he's only got a $13 million contract. So, you look at it in that aspect, and it's kind of like what we were saying about Jordan Poole, what we say, Kyle Kuzma, they're very movable contracts. They're not taking on the Bradley Bill contracts of the world—it's going to be difficult to move kind of money.
0: I get you. I don't know. I I, I understand where you're coming from. I the money-wise, it makes sense. I'm not saying it's not a fair value. I just don't know. Like I think he's a role player. I think it's a decent contract for a role player. I just I'm, I guess what I disagree with you in is his long-term effectiveness with this team. He shot a career worse, twenty-nine percent. Like his three-point shooting, I wouldn't even say it's gotten better. I mean, he shot thirty-one percent his rookie year. 31% his sec- sophomore year, and then 29% this year. Mind you, he's taking 3.1 threes a game, which is in high volume. 3.3 is a game his rookie year. He made one of those a game. Then he took 3.2 threes his sophomore year. He made one of those a game. Then he took 3.1 threes his uh, junior year this past year, and he made less than one a game. Like his three-point shooting's not great. His effective field goal percentage was the worst of his career. His throw shooting's gotten better, but remember, he came in shooting 64%. So, like, glad it got better, right? Like, I mean, in general, like, his effectiveness from that has not been super great. His assist percentage is middling. Like, offensively, his usage is, is what, 60% the last couple of years? Like, he's just not a great offensive player. I just don't, like, I think he's, he's below not. average there. And I don't know, like, I again, for the money he's getting, for what he can play defensively, sure. That's great. I'm with it. Let's go. But, like, to say, oh, I think, you know, he's going to have a chance to really do it. Mind you, he is only 22. Maybe I'm... I am jumping in a little bit. I will admit that. I'm just not high on his long-term trajectory up front. I can see why you are, but I'm already like, eh, I don't know.
1: Well, again, like I said, I'm not going to sit up and say I'm super high on, especially his offensive side of the, of his game. I'm not super high on it at all because he's just not that type of player. I'm, like I said, I'm not going to sit up here and, and be naive and be like, oh, he's going to become the next um, Y Leonard, great defensive guy that just all of a sudden became this really, really, really good offensive player and became this great two-way guy. I'm not saying that at all because I don't see that either. But for what he can do and what he does,
2: secondary ball handling, secondary playmaker, um, Great defensive player,
1: all those type of things can guard one through four. Those type of players have a have value in the league, and that's about where the market value is currently for those type of players. That's I think I said I think it's a great a contract for both Wizards and for Denny He's not he he's not a great officer, but you being the basketball guy that you are, you know that you can't have a team full of all offensive-minded players that you're going to win championships. you got to have guys that you can put on the best play, offensive guy on the other team and know that they can lock them down to an extent to make it so that the the, the true offensive-minded players can have a chance to make your team win the game. And that's really what his role is, and his job is, is he's that defensive-minded guy that they're trying to work his shot out to be, become a serviceable 3 and D guy. The defense is there. They're just trying to figure out how they can help him maximize his serviceability as a three-point shooter. I, I Yeah, we'll see
0: how that goes. I mean, we probably spent, what, almost 20 minutes on Denny. So, like, definitely not something we <laughs> had you on the bingo card. But that just shows how we go deep dive on these things. So, I get you. It remains to be seen. I mean, like I said, functional rotation player. Somebody defensively, I think his his, his aptitudes there. Um, his his positional flexibility is there. And the potential is there defensively. Offensively, I feel like he's, like, just not great. And I don't believe in the improvement there. But he is 22. So, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. And I need to kind of keep it in check. And for the money, yeah, like you said, solid money, right? Really, really solid money. So, Definitely good for that. I'm glad we were able to get a reaction on that before we went into our guard preview. We set the stage. We talked about it. We teased it. Went into some Denny talk, and now we're finally going to talk about the Washington Wizards card. So let's start with Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, 24 years old, 6'4", won a championship with the Golden State Warriors, then got a a two-piece, really just a one-piece. They didn't even bring the biscuit. From Draymond Green last season, that put just a a sour note over the entire season for the Warriors. It just wasn't a good fit, uh, and this was honestly just after signing a multi-year contract um, extension with the Warriors. And so, obviously, you know, they flamed out. Tumultuous season, couldn't win a game, the Warriors, that is, when they weren't at home, flamed out in the playoffs after they had a fun seven-game series against the Kings, where arguably they could have lost that if Darren Fox hadn't broken his hand. But then they go, play the Lakers, get dispatched, and then July 6th, the Warriors trade Patrick Baldwin Jr., Ryan Wallins, a 2027 second round pick and 2030 first round pick, along with Jordan Poole to the Wizards for Chris Paul, a 2027 second round pick um, that's Golden State's own, and then a 2030 uh, first round pick. So, Jordan Poole, a Wizard. Uh, Jordan Poole coming off of a season where he averaged uh, 20 points per game. Uh, 2.7 rebounds and 4.5 assists. Those numbers are good for a starting shooting guard, uh even though he was coming off the bench for some of it, but then you look at the actual shooting splits, 43, 33, 87 from 3. I mean 87 from the free throw line, that's not bad. But the pool party. Like this is this is what we have now. He is going to be the guy taking a lot of the shots for the Washington Wizards. Uh Basketball Reference has his projection this season per 36 of 23.8 points per game, along with 3.7 rebounds and 5.2 assists, with um, shooting splits of 44, 35, and 88. So having set the stage there, I'm now going to throw it over to the Let's get your initial take on your thoughts on Jordan Poole. We already talked about the trade, but also, like, how do you feel about Jordan Poole as a wizard this season? What do you, Let's start with what you like about
1: it. I like it. It's a reset. It's fresh blood. It it changes the dynamic of how the team is going to be. It's not going to be the Bradley Bill show anymore, where the ball sticks in Bradley Bill's hands. Um, I think the ball is going to move a little more than it did in previous years. They're going to definitely have a faster pace. Um, had in the in the previous years. Um, I think when it comes to Jordan, perfect way to sum up what I think of the season's going to be is our last two preseason games. We're going to have games where Jordan lights the building up like he did against the Knicks, and then turn around and have games like he did against Toronto where he can't a bucket.
2: And that's just how the season's going to go. Opinion. Um, I think uh-huh. one, I think once uh,
1: Kuzma gets back, Kuzma might be able to help rein him in a little bit more, where he's just not hoisting up shot after shot. I know he did the interview, and they said uh, he said he got a green light, and they asked him how big how big of a green light is, and he said size of dc that's
0: Uh, funny that's funny he got the quips
1: so what's I say it's giving him that uh that that kind of green light Mm -hmm. and so that's that's going to make things interesting but i will say that um interesting take came from a very uh well known source of what he felt about jordan pool this year and it came from a NBA legend and Kevin Garnett and he was. it was an interview he did where he talked about he said what did he think about Jordan Poole being in Washington
2: he said that he sees Jordan Poole as this year's James Harden of when he
1: left OKC Given the opportunity to be able to shine, be a number one option after being behind two NBA legends that
2: were on his team and getting up from underneath of their shadow, James Harden became James Harden of who we know. If the Wizards are able to get a similar production from Jordan Poole, the wizard season is going to be more of a success than we thought, than most people thought. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as for me, it's hard to look at stats. I think, like we talked before, it's. I think this year is going to be a very hard way to look at stats to make a projection
1: the players are going to be able to do because right now outside of maybe daniel gafford there's no player on the wizards team that is going to have a similar role to what they've had before this year everybody is going to have for the most part a bigger role, at least
2: the ones that are going to be in the rotation. Everybody's going to have a bigger role. So, I see things being a lot different. And being able to make that assumption, I can make assumptions, but I think that my assumptions are going to be dead on or dead wrong. I like that. I think that's a cool way of describing it. I, you gave me a lot there to record. Like,
0: I think defensively, you're right, it's going to be something that he needs to improve on. And he's someone who's going to have to deal with, and mind you, not that he hasn't done before, because he has faced increased defensive attention before as a member of the Warriors, but let's be real. You have one of the all-time greatest gravity pullers in Steph Curry, if not the all-time. I'd say probably the all-time. You have another one in Klay Thompson, one of the all-time greatest. Like, you had a much better time as a guy in Jordan Poole to be able to just feast. Well, now you're in a spot where, listen, you know, you got Al Kuzma there, but you're looking to your left, you probably got Denny on one side. You have, um, yeah, you, you, you probably have a Daniel Gafford on the other. You know, like you don't have a lot of consistent floor spacing, right? And I do wonder what that looks like for Jordan Poole. I don't think his efficiency is going to be super great. He's somebody who's going to give a lot of shots. On his good days, he t- he would look away Steph Curry. Like, Danny, you definitely going to get looked away. Like, some of you guys, you definitely not going to see the ball if he's one to shoot it because he has done it to more players or better players than himself. So, like, I do wonder about that. And defensively, will he have the aptitude to do that? He didn't have that in Golden State. And I think Andre Gidala had a great point about that in his podcast where he said, hey, listen, like, you know, and he loves, for the record, he loves Jordan Poole. But Jordan Poole felt, hey, I'm putting it along the offensive end. I deserve to be able to, you know, kind of lay back on the defensive end. He thought that as a scoring role player for the Golden State Warriors. Now he's going to be a guy that's going to have a high usage, consistently high usage for the Washington Wizards. You don't think he's going to take some steps back? Because I totally think that he will. So it's one thing, yes, you hope that he does, but how optimistic I am about that? That's like fifteen percent.
2: Absolutely. I, I don't. I don't see him being a
1: great defensive person. I've never seen him as being. And like you said, I, I think we're in 100% agreement that he is going to take plays off because he's going to put all his
2: energy and effort into the offensive end. And is going to end up being a defensive liability to the team. Yeah, I think that's honestly like defensively,
0: I don't have a whole lot there to get like he's not going to be a great player in my mind on the defensive end. It'd be nice if he could, you know, be more engaged in that end. But, like, you know, I'm I'm not holding my breath. Offensively, though, what do you like from him? Obviously, the dude can score the ball. You know, high-volume guy, but I would say he's a good shooter, good shot maker. Um, it depends. Like, he has days where he will go and score 41 points or he has days where in the preseason finale against the Raptors, he goes one for 15. So, you know, like, he is feast or famine, Jordan Poole. It could be the pool party or it could be an empty pool like straight up so definitely curious about that but at the same time like you know he can pass the ball like i wonder if he's somebody that you know do you see him playing more of a combo guard role do you see him as like someone who's just in there as a shooter as a score um like what do you look at when you see him because he's had four up and down years with the warriors and now he's gonna have a starring role a starring role
2: with the wizards Offensively, like you said, I just think it's going to be an up-and-down kind of year. Um, Again, I think his ceiling is James Harden of the years that he was in Houston, early
1: years of being in Houston where he learned, where he was a dynamic scorer, but he, he was learning how to be a dynamic passer. If Jordan Poole can take on the mindset that James Harden did, that I'm a great scorer, but I can't score as much as I want to if I don't get teammates. If he can take on that mindset, then, again, the Wizards are going to be better than expected. But if he takes on the mindset that, I got to knock down all the shots for my team to win, and I have to pass the ball. If he takes on that mindset, then the Wizards are going to be feast of famine because he's not, he's no, as great of a shooter as he is, he's no Klay Thompson. He's no Steph Curry. Yeah, he used to play with them, but he's not there. And so he's going to, it's going to be a feast of famine comes to him and the offense because like you were stating he's never been in a situation he was the number one option. and he was also the he's the number one option offensive and he was the number one option defensive teams
2: he's never been in that situation and i think when you watch the Toronto game.
1: Toronto put 100% focus on him with the mindset that I'm going to make all the other speeders. beat us. There is no Kyle Kuzma. Jordan Poole is Washington's offense right now. And we're going to stop Jordan Poole.
2: And they did that. And you see what happened. They got beat by 30 plus. So. That's where the feast of fame is going to come in when it comes to him. Offense, he's either going to be
1: able to hoist up shots and knock buckets down in the wicker flavor, or he's going to hoist up a ton of shots. Defense is going to be keyed on him, and he's not going to knock down shots in the because he's going to shoot that much.
0: I see what you're saying. That makes sense. I get you. I mean, let me ask you this. What can he do to, at least for this first year, live up in your mind to that four year, $128 million contract that he's on? Like, what is levels of growth that you want to see from him that you would say, you know what? Like, he's got to live up to that. Cause obviously, I'm getting shots. If it's just on that, then he already has it. He's going to go up and get shots. Like, like you said, feast or famine, he's going to do what he's going to do. But I'm curious as to how you look at his long term, um, Like in your mind, like at the end of the season, what would make you go, hey, this was a success
1: for Jordan Poole specifically? If Jordan Poole averaged 5.5 to 6 assists a game,
2: Mm.
1: it's not about, his. for me, it's not about his scoring. It's about developing his overall game. Because the more, again, like I was saying with James Harden, what he realized is the more he got his teammates in the easier it was for him to score. Because then they had to worry about everybody else and not just focus on James Harden. Mm -hmm. That's why James Harden ended up averaging close to and I think one season averaged a triple-double because he realized the importance of, for himself, of getting his teammates involved. Making it easier on them makes it easier, making it easier on his teammates made it easier for him when it came to scoring.
0: It it relieved the pressure. They fell off each other.
1: Correct. His teammates were also more willing to pass him the ball for him to be able to score because they knew they were going to get it back. So a successful season for me when it comes to Jordan, is going to be Jordan developing the rest of his game, both offensively and defensively. It has nothing to do with his scoring because he's going to score. Everybody in the league knows he's going to score. It's what else can you do for your team? You averaged 4.5 assists last year. Let's see if you can up that by by a whole assist game. And see if you could be more efficient with your shots. Don't, don't sit there and just hoist up a bunch of shots. Be more efficient. If you got a live grenade, shot clock is down, okay, everybody's going to expect you to shoot. Mm-hmm. But shot clock's at 12, 12, 10 seconds, and you hoisting up an uh, ill-advised three-point shot just because you got a green light the size the D.C. Yeah, just because you can. Yeah, right. That's not going to make things better. That's for sure. That's for sure. What do
0: you think is... We talked about the best case scenario. Let's do two more questions. One, what's the worst case scenario? And then let's get your expectations for this year, just to close out the Jordan Poole segment here.
1: Okay. Worst case scenario... Again, like I said, he he tries to be Steph Curry, and he's not. Mm. He's just hoisting up shots. Even though Steph does pass the ball more, I mean, as far as offensively speaking, comes to scoring, if he tries to be Steph and just start hoisting up shots when he shouldn't be, the team as a whole is going to struggle. Because True. you no longer got your teammates involved. You don't want to have the Philadelphia 76ers. Well, not the Philadelphia do ers
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What the, well, you, you, well, don't wanna have the, you don't want to have the Houston Rockets near the end of James Harden's tenure where everybody's just standing around spectating. Mm. You don't want to do that. You know, yeah, everybody talks about how Denny threw his hands up when uh, Jordan Poole hoisted up that three-point shot. Mm -hmm. A good eight feet behind the three-point line with somebody literally standing in his face. And there was still enough time on the shot clock that he could have passed the ball to Denny. And Denny probably could have got him the ball back and gave him a better shot had he just
2: passed the ball. But he um
1: he just threw the shot up. He he hoisted the shot up. And if he can not do that and mm-hmm. utilize his teammates, that right there I can see is his worst case scenario is he does not do that. He doesn't utilize mm-hmm. his teammates.
0: Yeah. No, I feel you on that. That makes a lot of sense. I can get on board with that for sure. And then, like I said, last but not least, looking forward to this season. I'm going to let you know mine. I think Wizards are not going to have a great season. We can talk about that another time. I think Jordan Poole's definitely going to get like 25, 26 points a game. Uh, somewhere north of five and a half assists a game, uh, six to seven, nah, four to five rebounds. I think he'll have some games even stretches where he's going to take over and look really good as an number one option. I definitely has to be sometimes he struggles as he adapts more to, you know, better defense um, on a more consistent basis and how to read and find his teammates. And more importantly, how to grow as a leader. You know, he hasn't had to play that role in Golden State. You already had guys like Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andre Godala, Kavon Looney, all these other cats who've been around the league so long and in this culture. And now he's on a team that's trying to build a culture, right? That just revamped the front office, Maybe, maybe not as a lame duck coach. Like, there's a chance for him to really kind of try to set the stage. And I think there's going to be some growing pains in there. So I'm not super high on it happening this year. But I think we're going to look back and say, hey, he had some really solid moments. He had some less than great moments. But ultimately, you know, we're encouraged to do to still just 24 um, going into the 2024-2025 season.
1: I think we're on the same page when it comes to to that. I don't, I don't think they're going to have a great season. And it's not because of Jordan Poole. I think it's the roster as a whole is not where it needs to be. Their glaring weakness has been very, very, very prevalent. Every game except for the one against the MBDL team, Australian team. Every, every game except for that one has been very prevalent. So I agree with you.
0: Yeah, it just remains to be seen what'll happen. He's gonna be obviously, I means that he's the first on the call sheet. He's the highest paid play. He's the highest paid player. He's the champion. Like he's the guy going to get the attention. I'm not saying that he shouldn't. I'm just saying it's be interesting to see kind of how that works itself out. You know. Sure. So we'll see what happens there. But let's go from one newcomer to another newcomer. We are going, of course, to talking about the 27-year-old Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones been, you know, started his season with the started his career with the Timberwolves, been a mainstay for the Grizzlies coming off a season where he averaged 10 points per game, along with five rebounds and two assists, shooting uh 43% from the field, uh, 37% from three. Uh solid veteran guard. He's been around uh for a little bit, even as being as young as he is, relatively, like he's entering his prime, but he's somebody that like you know, it, it's it's kind of crazy to be like, wow, like this guy has been around forever, it feels like. Um, he spent the last four of his eight NBA seasons backing up John Morant, and this is the time where he's going to be a starter for the first time. Um, and he was brought in the, to Washington in a three-team trade that sent Christoph Rzingis to the Boston Celtics. Um, and, you know, Washington got him on an attractive deal while they're trying to figure out what's going on because he's a steady guy, good ball control, one of the best assist-to-turnover ratios in the league, and he's in the final season of a two-year $29 million contract. So I definitely am interested to see kind of how he fits in. He's had extended stints as a starter, both with Minnesota filling in for Ricky Rubio back in the day, or Jeff Teague, and then, of course, with Morant filling in for him in with the Grizzlies. And during his time as a starter, he's been pretty solid. Um, Last season, Shaggy like said, shot 37% from the field, had a career-high 5.2 assists, started 22 games. I think he's a solid player. I think he's definitely a pass-first point guard, but he's a calm and steadying presence. Um, I wish he was a little better when it came to being more assertive shooting the ball, but it's not like he can't shoot the ball. It's just not the way he's geared to do, but just a solid, strong guy who I think is going to be a great leader here um, with, this, with this team that's pretty young. But that's my initial take on Tyus Jones and and just what I think of him as a player. Um, what do you think, Carthen, about Mr. Tyus?
1: To be honest with you, I think he is my most intriguing new addition. He's the one that I am most intrigued about. And the reason being is, like you said, this is the first time that he's going to have the opportunity to lead his own
2: And I think that depending on how well he does,
1: it's going to depend on how much draft capital they're able to give at the trade deadline. I don't think he's going to make it to the end of this. But I think they're going to showcase
0: Ooh, hot him. hot take. Okay, hot take. This is the first time he, as a starter. I think he would want to stay on the last year of his deal, being able to put up some really good numbers and show him a starter in this league, then be traded to another team where, let's be real, if it's a contender trading for him, they're probably not trading for him to start. He goes back to his backup role, which, like, while he's good at that role – this is a time where he can show, hey, I can be a starter in this league. I've waited eight years to show his opportunity. I've had stints before in Minnesota and Memphis, and now I can really show that I can lead a ball club and put up some really good numbers in the process. That's a take, Garth, okay.
1: It is a take, but again, there aren't 32 starting point guards better than Tyus Jones, right? There aren't point guards on every contending team right now that's better than Tyus Jones. And yes, this is his first time being a starter. But if he can put up similar numbers to what he's put up or better numbers than what he's put up as what the league considers him as the best backup point guard in the NBA before this year. There are teams that are out there that will need his services. One team in particular, I think, that will possibly end up looking at him and
2: trade them Phoenix Suns. They don't have point guard. Going to benefit the three main scorers they have.
1: They need a setup now. They need somebody who is not worried about putting the ball in the bucket, somebody that can get them lined up in positions to make things easier for
2: them to score. Someone like that, can see, um, I can see teams like, uh, I'm telling that. you, I don't are know. They There's other teams good. that
0: will want him for sure, but can they afford him? What are they giving up for him? And like, again, like, like what does Washington want that like from Phoenix or what does Washington want from some of these teams while they rebuild to give to a guy who may not want to move. Mind you, Tyus Jones has no real say in it, but I'm just saying like, I think any team in the league would want Tyus Jones. I think it would come down to trade offer, the return, all of the really nitty gritty fun stuff. You feel me?
1: And I I agree a thousand percent with what you're saying. It's again, what is the wizards looking to do? Are, Are we rebuilding? Are we retooling? Are we just reshaping? I mean, what reword are the Wizards expecting? What reword are the Wizards in right now? Because if they're rebuilding, Tyus has no value to the team past this year. Because are they going to resign a 28-year-old point guard to be with a young team that's they're not expecting to win anything. We're not expecting to be playoff contenders. So, what's the point in keeping it? Tyus, I in my opinion, trying. would want to be moved more, would, would want to be moved because if he can show that he can be a competent and effective starting point guard on a contending team, it may up his ability to cash in on this contract because he's not just oh a guy who can do it with the backups he can do he's he's shown the ability to be a starter in this league not just any starter but a starter with a contending team and making the decisions that he makes to put that contending team in places to win so for him, he has all the motivation in the world to want to be able to showcase
2: his skill set amongst the NBA Giants, teams that actually are being looked at as contenders.
0: Mm. I see what you're saying. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, Going from that, let's look at um, you kind of win expectations for next season. What is the best case scenario for Tyus?
1: Tyus balls out and gets traded for a first-round draft pick.
0: Unprotected, protections, how we feel? Huh? Unprotected with some protections there, how we feeling?
1: Oh, it's going to be protected. I I don't think he will. I was messing with you, yeah. He (laughs) never – warrant a unprotected uh draft pick <laughs> oh i'm
0: about to he say won't. never say never but no i'm playing he won't
1: yeah nah he won't unless, right and, about that. unless we're getting about two or three second round draft picks out of it those will be unprotected but first round pick no it's gonna have protections
0: there you go that's fair enough i feel you won that what is the worst case scenario for tyus It's hard to really see it, by the way. Wouldn't you think? It's hard to kind of see that?
1: Yeah, it's... You mean him balling out or the worst case scenario?
0: No, like, do you see the worst case scenario playing out for a guy who's been as steady as Tyus Jones
1: has? I I don't... I don't see it as a... Because he puts too much effort in his craft. I don't think he will allow... Uh, Jordan Poole to speed him up. That's fair. So That's fair. I think his worst, his worst case within scenario. Himself. Right. And his worst case scenario will be he shows NBA teams that he's not a quality starting point guard. And it affects mm. his, not only his tradability, but it, so his upcoming contract. Wow. There you go.
0: I definitely am intrigued by what Tyus Jones will bring to the table as a wizard. I'm, I'm just high for him to be like a starter for the first time. He's been a guy who I think should have been. I mean, you're back. Ricky Ruba maybe was a more arguable decision, but Ricky Ruba was pretty solid back then. Um, John Moran obviously is John Moran. So, like, there's nothing happening there. But for him to have a shot now, um, I, I really just think there's a good role for him to be in. So, we'll see how that works but one that i think listen i just think he's gonna be a steady guy he's been that way his whole career i really couldn't see like an, a, a super great year from him um but i mean i could see one. i couldn't see like an amazing like over the top all-star year. let me just say it like that but at the same time i also don't know if i could see him just like whoa like he is totally overmatched the point guard position he's really a distant like he is giving the other team an advantage night after night like that's not something i see either so yeah it's something there but um Let's go from that to a guy who last year, I would say, and I don't know if you agree this, carton but was one of the Wizards' either best or second-best perimeter defenders last season. Um, and that depends on how you feel about Jordan Goodwin. And, of course, we were talking about one DeLon Wright. Um, DeLon Wright, 31. Uh, last season with the Wizards, he went and averaged 7 points per game along with three and 3.6 rebounds and 3.9 assists. He shot 47% from the field and 34% from three, along with 86% from the free throw line. Um, The guy has been in the league for a bit, played in Toronto, Memphis, Dallas, Detroit, Sacramento, Atlanta, and here. Another guy in the mold, in my opinion, of Tyus Jones, nowhere near as good an offensive player as him, in my own opinion. Um, But somebody who's just a steady guy, you know, Um, just comes in and and does a good job. Uh, If you look at the three-point percentage, Always a, a, for the career, thirty-five percent. Not a high-volume three-point guy at all. Um, but somebody who will go in and 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 and, and play uh, the right way. I think he's more in my mind of like a swingman guard than like an actual point guard. But he's fine. I mean, he had one point eight steals per game last season, I tied him with Jimmy Butler for second best in the league. Uh, he had a solid PER last season, it was sixteen point three, which was actually higher than Tyus Jones last season. Um, right, and Jones both tied. Uh, for assists per thirty-six minutes, with seven point seven last season, um, and although they have similar passing, I would say Wright's a much better defender, um, probably a defensive specialist. So that's my take on a guy like DeLon Wright. Carson, I know you got thoughts on DeLon. Share, him, please.
1: I really like DeLon. There are a lot of that, people. There, there it is. There, there are a lot of people out there that don't like his game because he's not as flashy. But I'm not a flashy person. I like people mm-hmm. that play the game the right way. And De'Lon Wright plays the game the right way. He plays with heart, effort, and he's good at what he does. If he had played more games last year, I believe De'Lon, De'Lon Wright makes all defensive uh, NBA team, at least one of them. He, he may not have been first team, but he would have made one of the teams as a uh as a guard because his defensive skills were that high his defensive uh metrics were high he won several games last year for the wizards due to
2: his defensive effort at the end of the game um i think that he is somebody that the wizards should keep but I don't think he's going to make it to the end of the season either.
0: You see him as another guy who's probably going to be traded? Absolutely. That's that's fair. I could see it, too. He's a solid guy. Um, I want him to stay in Washington, of course. I think that he's just a a guy who could play, you know, coming from the sixth man. I think he could start. I think that he's somebody that – can really you know, play well alongside both Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole. Probably better alongside Jordan Poole in terms of letting Jordan Poole score and having the threat of a score alongside him. Tyus Jones doesn't really necessarily bring that, but like he could be traded. Um, more than likely, like you said, he could be. Um, maybe you trade right for a backup big or some additional picks or pick swaps in a much larger deal. Um, because guess what? I think he could be a good fit for Miami, to be honest with you. like I think a guy like... Um, DeLon Wright on Miami Heat squad, like fitting their ethos of like that dog defensive, like him and, you know, um, Josh Richardson in the backcourt. That's not bad. That's not bad. Is he like swingman who could just enough passing the ball to get you into your offense? You don't have to run a lot of offense when you have Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo in there, but enough to get you into your sets, maybe make a few spot threes at a 34% clip, play good defense, hound the opposing backcourt. Like I could definitely see a DeLon Wright fit with um, Miami. But at the same time, while he's with Washington, I think that his defensive skills can really help this team when they're bereft of that in the backcourt specifically.
1: Absolutely, both fronts. Miami makes perfect sense for him. He's a Miami oh, he, guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just um, think it
0: fits that ethos,
1: you know. I think he's better. He's a better point guard than Gabe Vincent. Um.
0: Now, now hold on. Now. He's
1: the Laker. Let's not say that. No, I'm just better point guard than Gabe Vincent. Okay,
2: okay.
1: Not take nothing against him because he's one of your boys, but I think that Thank you for a minute, fits, Matt. Uh-huh. I think he fits what <laughs>
2: they do a lot better. The sure. defensive gritty gonna be all
1: in your stuff. All the time, he, he he's just one of those guys that when you watch him play, you just say, you you just say, he's a Miami guy. He 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 plays the Miami way. Um, I don't know of any big man Miami has that the Wizards would necessarily covet. Maybe Jokic, uh, but he doesn't fit what they need. They don't need another. Shooting big, in my opinion, got enough of those. They need they need dogs. They they need guys that are going to bang down low, rebound, block shots. They they need guys like that, big bodies. And Miami doesn't have anybody. I think is worth us trading him to
0: doing the dirty um, nitty gritty work,
1: right. So I mean, Delon Wright, in my opinion, a great backup start. He is he does the things that you need a guard to do. He he does the things that you will want a backup start to do. Not there to score. He can score, but he's not there to score. But he plays dynamite defense. Again. Delon Wright is the type of guy that Will Dawkins, Will Dawkins is trying to build this squad around. Defensive-minded guys that we can put some offensive guys around them to make our squad be what well, do well. And that's that's what I see Delon as.
0: Yeah. I definitely I, I definitely agree with that. So I had my mic muted and forgot to go back up there. I definitely think he's somebody that fits exactly like you said, like just a really solid player that more than likely will be traded. I think if everything goes well, should be traded. That's probably the best case scenario for him, right? Um, like you said. Uh going from that to the worst case scenario, similar to Tyus Jones. What is the worst case scenario for Delon right with the Wizards? Because for me. You know, he never finds a shooting stroke. He dips in the low 30s. Like I said, he's always been, like, 34, 35. Let's say he goes to, like, 31, 30. Denny, obvious are numbers, which can still get your contract. But I'm just kidding. Let's say he goes from there. He is 31 defensively. He may slip just a little bit. That could be an issue. And he ends up being somebody who's not effective enough for the Wizards, but also isn't somebody that other teams are looking go, you know what? He might be able to do well for us either. You know what I mean? Like, like, like. that's where I feel. We're getting like, this no-man's land of the aging swingman with not – without really good offensive skills, who has a defensive bite. But as he gets older, that goes away a little bit. So that's kind of something I'm looking at as, like, the worst-case scenario for a guy like DeLon Wright. But, Kartham,
1: what do you have on him? Worst-case scenario for DeLon Wright is being Will Barton. Will Barton? How do you get that, though? Cause
2: Will,
1: Will was, because Will came in as an offensive look, guy. At, you look at not as in him being offensive, defensive, not Will Barton, when he was with the Nuggets prior to coming to us last year, he was a part of the big acquisition for KCP because he could drop buckets. He was was a bucket getter. He could do whatever it was he needed to do, score, and all that other stuff. Came to Washington and couldn't do nothing. He couldn't score. He couldn't play defense. He couldn't do anything. He was horrible here in Washington. Worst-case scenario is DeLon ends up being like Barton. He had a really, really good season last year, and all of a sudden he turns 31 like Will Barton. And then, like you said, he can't he, he can't do nothing. He can't score. He can't play defense. He then took a step back athletically. He's no longer fast enough to stay in front of the guards and, and play Excellent defense. Defense is his calling
2: card. If he can't play defense, then he can't. Yeah. So, again, Will Barton to offense is
1: my right to defense. He he ends up doing like Will Barton did last year. That's going to be a worst case scenario for him because he's not going to get another contract, and he is not going to be
2: have any trade value for the Wizards. It's funny that we got to the point where we have these veteran guards who can help a team
0: or help Washington, even though like the help is gonna be hard to measure because they're not gonna be a very good team. But it's gonna be interesting to see how we look at these two um, in both, you know, we, we mentioned it with Jones and Wright and go, hey, like, Best case scenario, they do well enough to recoup the wisdom and value, whether that's in the form of young players or a positional need or draft picks. Worst case scenario, they fall beneath that expectation. Uh, Tyus Jones going ahead into free agency next year. Uh, I think the same is similar to Don, right? But basically, they kind of fall in that no man's land. So very curious. Like those two, I think, have a specific kind of roster Flux, or a situation where they could enter a crossroads in their career because i feel like both will get jobs next in the nba regardless like jones is going to be on the team next year you know so would delon right it's not like they're fighting for their nba lives out here but it definitely can change their standing for their next contract you know their current standing and what they can get in return for a trade it could definitely be very very interesting for both of them but yeah i'm with you on that all right we're gonna wrap this bad boy up with one more guard, we have a couple that we thought were guards. We're gonna put them more in the in the swingman size forward section. We'll get to that. Uh, they're called the wings, by the way. We'll get to that here in a future installment. But we're gonna close with one player who I loved so much when it came to being drafted. I was in his corner all the way. You couldn't tell me nothing. He was in my top ten draft board. Then the rookie season he had just made me revalue my whole scouting process. Um, I was just shocked and all of it. This guy was drafted tenth overall. Just two years ago, he's entering his sophomore year. He struggled to earn playing time as a rookie when he did play. Didn't really make a positive impact. Meanwhile, you had guys after him drafted, like Jalen Williams in Oklahoma City or Walker Kessler in Utah, who looked amazing, which made this guy look like an underachiever by comparison. This guy was drafted by Tommy Shepard, who, of course, was fired several months ago. Um, the new executives here now, we got to see if they like him. That Michael Winger, Will Dawkins, and Travis Schlink. Do they like this guy? I still do. He was a Big Ten Player of the Year award, won the Jerry West Award as the nation's best shooting guard, Um, but just hasn't looked great in the NBA, even in the G League. And this guy's name, I've been waiting for a long time, bearing the lead, is Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis, man. Listen, not a good year last year, like a horrible year last year. He ended up playing 28 games for the Wizards, including a, a stretch where he played with, you know. Players that were mainstays in the Wizards roster, Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, Monte Morris, Delon Wright, Chris Haprezingis, all those guys were out. So of course, Davis gets some run. Um, and it wasn't super great. I don't know. Um, Carthen, listen, I- I'm throwing it to you um on what you think of him as a player because I think he was a very solid mid-range guy who I thought could stretch it out to three that did not. Happened last season. He only made 39% of his shots and only 26% of his threes. Uh, he looked like he was somebody who could create his own shot and you know, at 6'5, 195, looked like a good defensive rebounder. That also, you know, it was good, but it just wasn't super great. Like, I I I don't know um how I feel about Davis this upcoming season. I still think he's great as a player, but like the athleticism the shooting skill, the ball handling like that that's not that's not great.
2: That's not on par for someone trying to be an impact player. You know I laugh at stuff like this. And I'll tell really? you why. Please do.
1: We as a society, especially
2: since age of the internet social media and things like
1: that have become such a microwave society that oh man here we go <laughs> that we expect everything to come immediately you look at johnny davis his freshman year at Wisconsin. Nobody saw Johnny Davis as even an NBA prospect his freshman year. You look at his numbers. Johnny Davis played horrible his freshman year. Turn around come his sophomore year, he's now Big Ten Player of the Year. He, He won the award for the best shooting guard in the nation. All these different things, that Johnny Davis accomplished his second year in the league. You listen to his interviews
2: He say, what was the big difference between your freshman year and your sophomore year? Understanding the game at that level, getting used to the speed of the game, getting more confident in my skills and ability in the second year. everybody sits there and they look at the numbers that he posted as freshmen. Not really
1: realizing that we had a coach who believed in playing veterans.
2: Not really looking at the fact that we had a team that had starts that were in line with what the Wizards were trying to do
1: last year. The Wizards were trying to win. They weren't, the team, they weren't a team like this year where we don't have any expectations to win. We have expectations to get better every day, to become a better club every day. And when you have that that
2: type of situation, expectations for certain plays are different. When it comes to Johnny Davis, I look at an NBA All-Star and an NBA,
1: I think he even made NBA All-NBA one year. And if you go back and look at his stats for his first, I want to say three, maybe even four years in the league. You'd never even guess with the way he plays today that he even has stats like that. And that's C.J. McCullough. You go back and look at C.J. McCollum's numbers in his first three or four years in the league, and if C.J. was born later and came into the league at this point in it during the microwave generation, C.J. McCollum would have never been C.J. McCollum because they would have shunned him off long time ago. Oh, he he he's no good. He can't make it. But as he got the chance to develop,
2: and then got the chance to play. Persistent minutes. CJ McCullough now is an all star. CJ
1: McCullough is borderline, if not was, an all NBA player.
2: CJ McCullough led a New Orleans team to playoffs last year. We always come out and want to be microwaved about
1: everything, everything has to be. Right then right now, and nobody gets an opportunity to actually develop. I think Johnny Davis is going to have a d de- it's going to have a pretty decent year the expectations aren't there like they were last year so he's going to get burned unlike he got last year. he's not going to be in the G league like he was last year because we're not
2: expecting to be playoff contending team like we were last year with Bradley Bill. So for me, Johnny Davis
1: is going to play. Johnny Davis is going to be in the rotation. Is he going to be a 15, 17 point scorer a game? I doubt it. Very serious. But is he going to be a solid contributor to this year's team?
2: Absolutely. I think I you're get at, you.
0: Huh? Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, no, no I, I I get you. I just don't know. I, I feel what you're saying. I get it. And again, this almost feels like I'm talking about Danny. Like, this guy's young, right? Like, um, I am I still got to hold out hope that there is some improvement that's going to happen. I am aware of that. At the same time, nobody said go out there and shoot 38% from the field. Nobody said go out there and shoot 26% from three. Guys like, um, Cam Thomas, guys like Jaden Hardy have been drafted later in similar situations who did not get opportunities because of much better players, came out and produced a lot better in their early years, in their rookie years. I'm just saying, like, I, I get it, but it's not like it's a whole, all, all the young guys need time. Like, no, he came in, did not display any of the strengths that made him a player. Like, I'm not even saying be like a microwave and be that same player, but like that was shell-shocked of a great degree. And when you draft the 10th overall, nah, maybe if you draft the, like, I Don't know twenty, twenty six. 26, I get it. And there's gonna be an adjustment period for sure. Jabari Smith was drafted number one last year, had a horrible, horrible rookie year. Like, it didn't really come around to like the last couple months, but at least we had signs of improvement. Like when I saw um, Johnny Davis in like he had that in the NBA, it didn't look like he had that in the G League. It didn't look like he had that in the summer league. Like, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. I, I need more.
1: He, he he improved at the end of the season. When Bradley Bill was when Bradley Bill and them weren't uh weren't playing, he had a couple games where he dropped 20 points. I mean, he like I said, the sample size for him is not like what it was for a lot of rookies because the team he got drafted to had different types of goals compared to some of the other ones. However, his defense still stands out. His offense, no. But again, you talk about Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas came out of LSU. A bona fide bucket getter, But nowhere but near. He sat that's on, but he sat on but he sat yeah. on that bench with the Nets because he was a bona fide defensive liability. Okay,
0: but he got one end of the did. court down right. Davis didn't get either.
1: Davis plays strong defense. He did, but defensive metrics are not what everybody sees. Defensive metrics is not what What puts butts in the seats? The numbers that we can see. He's a denny. Like, are you saying that
0: he's like a really sneaky good defender? Like his athleticism is not very good there.
1: His athleticism isn't that good, but his anticipation is. That's just like saying that um, that Michael Bog Michael Brogdon is the world class athlete, and and his his he's a bona fide defensive. Juggernaut because of his athletic ability. No, Michael Brogdon is not athletic at all. But his defensive anticipation is what makes his, him so great as a defensive-minded person. Is because he can anticipate what you're going to do, and he beats you to the spot. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be the most athletic dude in in the league to be a great defender. You have to have great defensive anticipation. You have to be able to be somebody who studies your, your opponent a lot and know their, their moves, know their counter moves, know what they like to do, know where their spots are, and beat them to the punch. Those are the type of things that make you good as a defensive person. It's not always about athletic ability. Hell, you, you wouldn't say that Michael. You wouldn't say that Stephen Adams is is the most athletic big man in the league, but you would say that Stephen. You would say Stephen Adams plays very good defense and it's because Steven Adams knows how to he knows how to anticipate what his, what his person's going to be he that's just like saying uh what's the dude in, in Milwaukee he he got a twin brother i'm i'm drawing a blank on which please uh uh or Milwaukee uh, yeah um uh oh, no. Um... no no Rob mm-hmm. uh, Lopez Lopez oh Brooke uh, and
0: Robin Lopez, jeez, yeah Brook
1: Brooke, Brooke Lopez, mm-hmm. known as a great defensive big, but everybody knows in the world, I'm more athletic than Brook Lopez
2: <laughs>
1: and, but Brooke Lopez knows how to play defense because Brooke Lopez knows how to anticipate. That's why he blocks so many shots is because he knows what you're trying to do when you're trying to do it, and knows how knows when to put his hands up to be able to block a shot. The dude can't even jump off the ground. His vertical is the same as my eight year old. Oh, but you need to stop, you need to stop. He can block, <laughs> a, he can block a shot because he can't anticipate. Yeah. So that that's that's the thing about with, with defense, you you can't use athleticism to necessarily correlate it, correlate defense with it. It's how you are defensively when it comes to being, when it comes to your anticipation, when it comes to your awareness of, of different things. So that's where Johnny Davis, it, that's where Johnny Davis is good at when it comes to his defense. Not only does he want to play defense, but he is good at anticipation and he has a passion for defense. His offensive numbers, which is what we look at and what we can see right here, are those numbers great? No. Johnny Davis wasn't a great three point shooter at Wisconsin, nah, in he wasn't. either one of in either one of his years. So to think that he's going to come to the NBA and then all of a sudden be Steph Curry, no.
0: But no one's no one's saying that though. Who said that? I'm just saying don't but, shoot sub twenty, sub thirty percent from three. You don't have. But he was shooting. At, get-
1: but he was shooting that at Wisconsin.
0: He shot low thirties, like thirty four percent. It was solid.
1: I was backing Not him up, in, saying, okay, he was, he was
0: in at his 29%. Year, going out, no, leaving, the, let me look at his numbers again. When he left college, he was shooting 29% from three?
1: No, If I'm, I, if if I remember correctly, he was shooting 29%. He wasn't shooting 30% because that was one here. of the big knocks on him. He was a, oh, nope, a, a mid-range assassin.
0: He shot 38%. Or uh, in 2020, 2021. Granted, he only took 36 three. So he's 14 and 36 in that season. Then 2021, 2022, he shot 30 percent from three on 37 of 121. Still not great. I get it, but it was still over. It was 30 percent, 32 percent for his career in college. 32.5. That's not great. That's not 26 percent either. That's that's a difference. Okay. Dip. If you, if you tell me someone out there is a 32
1: percent three point shooter, it, 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 it's a difference. But also but also but, okay, I, but also, but also, but okay. but also three-point line is further behind it's further back. And mid-range. he was always known, he was always known as a mid-range assassin. He was never okay. known to be able to shoot threes.
0: You're right. But here's why I tell you so, again mid-range assassin who shot 38% from
1: the field. You were a
0: mid-range assassin,
1: not, you shot 38% from the but field. But he was not confidence, is everything when it comes to that. And when you got people like Bradley Bill and all them other ones telling you to give me the ball, don't shoot. You, I watched the games. It was a difference between you just look, someone looking at the numbers and then say, oh, these are the numbers, this, this, that, and the other. When he looked like he wanted to go up and shoot a ball, he would stop in mid, in mid uh, getting ready to, to take a shot. Oh, mid, he would yeah, mid-form. stop.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mid-form, stop, look around and then dish the ball off to somebody else. Like, he was scared that take a shot. Like, if he took a shot, he was going to get pulled out of the game. That's how bad it was last year. It, It wasn't so much that he was shooting bad. It was the confidence weren't there, and I don't think that they gave him the confidence that they wanted him to shoot the ball. So if you are afraid that if you put the ball up in the air, the second that ball hits the rim, your, your replacement is going to the to the uh, scores table to check in. When you do shoot the ball, you're not going to shoot the ball with confidence. You're not going to put the ball up and be like, oh, I'm going to knock this shot down. It's going to be, oh, if I shoot this ball and don't knock it down, they're going to pull me out. And I've seen it happen. I watched every Wizards game last year when he did play. That's how it was. It was, you don't shoot the ball. And if you shoot the ball, you better make it. And if you don't make it, the second he says that he's ready to go back in because he got a little bit of rest, we're pulling you out. Johnny Davis was getting games in the NBA of two and three minute games. And and it wasn't garbage time minutes. We're talking about you get put in in the second quarter with eight minutes to go in the game. And by five minutes left to go in the second with eight minutes left to go in the first half, by five minutes left to go in the first half, he was getting put on the bench and never came back in the game. And he had I, missed uh-huh. two, two shots. I, and it's yeah. like. So. There's a lot. There's a lot to it more than just what you see when you look at numbers versus looking at things. As a whole, as in what you can actually scout and see,
2: I see because
1: Johnny Davis in the pre Johnny Davis in the summer league and Johnny Davis uh, this year, and Johnny Davis of the summer league last year, we both can agree, two totally different Johnny Davises.
2: more two than totally
1: different. Johnny Davis of the preseason last year. I Johnny he wasn't Davis knocking down anything league. either, though. No, he he wasn't. But in the summer league, again, like he said, he was nerve, not only was he nervous, but the game was different. College mm-hmm. basketball and, and NBA basketball are two totally different basketballs. You got guys that you got teams like Syracuse that play zone all day long. You can mm-hmm. camp in the paint, the big men and everybody else can camp in the paint. You can't, there, there is no defensive three seconds which makes it a totally different game versus the NBA where it's a lot more free flowing and the game is a lot faster because of the free flow. If you're not used to that. It, some people can't just take that free flow and keep it moving. Johnny Davis was not a street baller. Johnny Davis played in the in in the gym his whole life. A lot of these young dudes that, that, that are in the NBA that we're talking about that, that went out and just bought out as a rookie. The NBA to them is like playing street ball because that's how free flow and how fast it moves. If you're not used to playing basketball in that kind of atmosphere, you're going to struggle because it's just not what you're used to. And he's not one of those type of dudes that can adapt very well. He, it takes him a little more time. To adapt Now, the, I, what I can tell you is this year is going to be a telling sign. He He's not going to have any excuses because he's going to get the playing time. He's going to get the ability to shoot the ball, be ridiculed and all that other stuff. If his, if his game does not drastically improve this year, he is going to be labeled as a bust and he probably won't get his first option picked up by the Wizards.
0: Well, here's where I have to push back again. You say it might be a make-or-break year for him. We well Before we do that, what what is your best case scenario for Johnny before we go into the worst case scenario?
1: Johnny Davis is going to have a, a great year for a sophomore guy and he's going to stay in the rotation. He's not going to be a
2: starter, but he's going to stay in the rotation. He's going to be a part of that for rotation. Okay,
0: worst case scenario, and I'm going to give you mine before I give you yours, because I know you're going to have some optimism laced in yours. Worst case scenario for me for Johnny Davis is this. It was already a questionable pick. I like Johnny Davis. It obviously wasn't a very good fit already. Um, But when they drafted him, they already had Beal. They already had Corey Kispert. They already had Denny Avija, Avija, and they already had Kyle Kuzma. And then they added DeLon Wright, who's more comfortable playing off the ball. Now, Beal is gone. But Kispert, right, Avija, Kuzma are all still there, and you have Jordan Poole, and you got Bilal Kulabali and you have Landry Shannon. With that being said, even if Davis is healthy and playing well, I doubt he gets that much playing time if everyone else is healthy. And if that's the case, add to the fact that the Wizards have a whole new front office that did not draft Johnny Davis. It does make me doubt the chance of a real good bounce-back season for him and does make me question his future long-term with the Wizards. That's already my feeling. That's my feeling on him moving forward in general, but that also doubles as my worst-case scenario because I feel that we are already on that timeline.
1: I can see where you're coming from with the with your worst-case scenario. Mine is similar. I think that Johnny Davis...
2: In the beginning, well, I can't even say in the beginning right now because Landry is injured. While Landry is injured, I think he's going to play.
1: Worst case scenario is he plays horrible while Landry is out and then he's just not going to play. Because if he plays well while Landry is out, I think they're gonna showcase no matter what the situation is, they're gonna showcase Landry. Cause they want to trade him. They got they gotta get people, they gotta get NBA 10 saying that he's healthy and that he can still play. So they can at
2: least get some second round picks out of. Him. Um so in the beginning of the year, I don't see it once Landry gets healthy, I agree with you. He's not going to play a ton, um,
1: but Kyle Kuzma and Denny Avia isn't even a, a factor when it comes to him and his playing time because they three fours, they they they're they forwards. They have nothing to do with with
2: start play, um, unless the Wizards is just putting Kyle Kuzma at the two and putting other big guys in there with him. But um,
1: I agree with you. Johnny Davis wasn't drafted by this previous administration. So that does give him one strike going against him.
2: But I think that they're going to give him every opportunity to fail. Um, If they are really in tank mode, or really, in not trying to be a playoff
1: contending team mode, like we spoke about with the earlier. I see DeLon gone. I see Jones
2: gone. I see Shamet gone by the trade deal. And when they're gone, Johnny Davis is going to get a lot of playing time. If he shows promise While he has the ability to play, Johnny Davis has the chance to start next to Jordan Poole if he shows that he can handle that type of stuff. But a part of the worst case is he doesn't even get it.
1: He plays himself out of the rotation and out of the ability to even have a shot at
2: because he's the only he's the only defect facto guard that would be truly
1: left outside of Corey Kispert. Maybe that could take on that two guards.
2: But if Corey Kissberg is the starting two guard role, then he'll be Corey Kispert's backup.
0: Interesting. Okay, I I'm curious to see how it works out. Like I said, I'm I want to be high on Johnny Davis. I was a big fan of him coming out of college. I just haven't had. I mean, it's one year. It was just the worst possible year for him to have, given the situation. He is 22, but that 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 cash saving being drafted 10th overall, that does follow. You. you know, we've seen it happen. So I just hope he gets the opportunity for sure. Um, now, because of the way we organize it, we're going to be talking about guys like Corey Kispert, like Landry Shamit. A lot of these guys are going to happen on our next show. Bilal Kulabali, that'll be when we cover the wings. But to close this out, I just want to get, I mean, you're the deep take guys. I want to throw two guys at you, um, Carthon, and just um, give me your thoughts on them. We're not going to do a whole full breakdown. I don't expect them to really impact the Wizards that much this season. Um, but between Ryan Rollins and Jared Butler, any thoughts on those two before we close this bad boy
1: out? I like them both. Solid. Um, small fun fact, when I went to a sports business class, classroom, shout out to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Jared Butler was one of the guys that I was tasked with doing a scouting report on, mm-hmm. uh, for, for the class to be able to present in front of the entire class and Jared Butler coming out of Baylor was known as a defensive minded guard that could also score and that's how he ended up being the MVP of the Final Four the year that he came out. So defensively he is he is a really good ball player. Offensively his offensive skills have improved a
2: lot since last year and showed in the summer league this year when he played for um ryan rollins is just a dog
1: (laughs) that's the best way i can put it He, he he's a dog he he wants to play defense he plays it with intensity he plays it plays tough He's not afraid of the moment. Mm. He, If Johnny Davis had his mindset, Johnny Davis would be a beast. Wow. But Ryan Rollins, second round draft pick, because he didn't have the skill set of a Johnny Davis. And But mentally, dull. And I think he's going to stick around because both Will Dawkins likes him, and Wes Unsell has been, has done several interviews where unprovoked he's brought up Ryan Rollins and Mm. thinks talks about, he thinks that he can be an elite defender and so. Wow.
0: So there's some hope there.
1: Yeah, I really like both of them. I think that Butler has the potential to be a better version of Jordan Goodwin of last year. He does. Wow. The only the, the, he has the defensive skill set of Jordan Goodwin. The only difference is that I'm not 100 sure on. Now, I'm not sure if Jared Butler has the mental, the mentality, that Mamba mentality that Jordan Goodwin had. Jordan Goodwin wasn't afraid of nobody. He wasn't afraid of the moment. He went at any, everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Jared Butler has that.
0: That's fair. That's fair to think, and 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 I'm not overly familiar. i, mean, I watched him a little bit. Something I thought he had a pretty solid, you know, solid time there. Um, obviously he was a league guard on the Baylor Bears when they won that NCAA championship in 2021. Um, you know, he's bounced around. Spent a season in Utah, won in Oklahoma City, um, but. You know, he's able to shoot the ball defensively. He can get after it. His ball handling's pretty nice. We'll just see if he can put it all together for sure. Um, Ryan Rons, listen, 6'4", 6'10", wingspan. Great size four-point guy. We'll see if he can use that size on both offense and defense. But another guy who came similar to Jordan Poole, you know, um, came by way of the Warriors, spent time between the Warriors and their G League affiliate, the Santa Cruz Warriors. So we'll just see those two. I don't think they'll factor in deep this year. Even with a lot of injuries happening, but we'll just have some depth in that backcourt spots. Uh, enough depth between their guards and their swingmen that I don't see will fa- don't think that they will factor in heavily, but it will be interesting to keep an eye on them moving forward just to watch, you know. So with that being said, that kind of puts a wrap on this one. Um, we went pretty deep. We went pretty deep. Covered Denny. Covered our four main guys. We're gonna do the wings next episode, and we're gonna have quite a few to handle between that. Um, whether it is a guy like Corey Kispert, whether it is a guy like Landry Shaman, whether it is a guy like Kyle Kuzma, we're, we're going to have a little fun there on, on the wings for sure. But to close out here, um, Carthen, let the good folks know where they can find you and any of your work. Obviously, you're going to have a big season here with sports those wizards.
1: You can find
2: me at Carthen, NBA, that's C-A-R-T-H-A-N, NBA, X. Right now, that's the best place to find me if you want to talk basketball with me. Uh,
1: I'm still trying to get more computer savvy where I can end up using Instagram, but my Instagram feed is far than NBA.
0: I might help you out a little bit on that, my friend.
1: On Instagram, because I'm not uh, computer savvy at all. Mm-hmm no no it's fine with that trust me i'm gonna try to help out i'm gonna try to
0: help you out my friend but no that i get you i'm not either i was gonna say you can follow me on twitter or x at, at corbin nba follow me on instagram i do i guess do a little more on instagram but not a whole lot more um at corbin nba as well that's c-o-r-b-a-n-n-b-a definitely make sure to check that out check us out here on the sports those wizards show we're about to be a lot more regular here episodes probably twice a week moving forward um, probably after this upcoming week, we have to finish our previews. But after this upcoming week, Wiz will play, and we'll be, like I said, twice a week. Um, We'll figure out the days. Honestly, we may do a back-to-back day. Just know it's going to be twice a week. It's going to be fun doing that. Uh, we both full-time schedules, all the things. But we both trying to really do this thing. And sad thing, as I said earlier, you know, in order to make it a dream job, you got to make it an unpaid job. So we're going to see how that kind of works out together. But, listen, I couldn't ask to do it with a better partner than Carthon here. Um, somebody who knows the wizards through and through. And we have a healthy debate. I love it. Like we always have something. Every episode, we like, you believe that? Interesting. But it works out well. We work together well and it's a lot of fun. So we're hoping you enjoying it as well. Make sure to keep tuning in. Um, hopefully at the end in a couple of weeks, I want to do our first, well, our second. We did one a while ago, our mailbag episode. Um, so we're definitely going to reach out to some Wizards fans, NBA people at large, try to get a fun one going on, build a community. And hopefully um, we have a social media account. So both of us manage that to kind of incorporate more interaction. And, you know, pick Carthon's brain because I think you'll find a lot. Man, I like all of Man, I agree with all of But definitely he knows his hoops and you'll find that out for sure. So listen, y'all, till next time for Carthon, for myself, listen, we frosty. Y'all stay frosty. And as always,